I my experience of that is really specific to hip hop crowds oh. and when I was coming up there was a real we had a real reputation of being uh you know the word that comes to mind is stush if you're Canadian <laughs> and from Toronto you'll understand that lingo um uh-huh. Caribbean uh, a Caribbean diasporic dialect that developed in Toronto you're stush um, I know it's special. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know it's special. Like, oh, yeah. You're so stushy. You're so stushy. <laughs> the views expressed on this recording are solely those of the artists, and by no means do we encourage or condone violence against law officials. Oh, it's for you. It's for you. and welcome back to Blue Cheese with me, Ebony L. Haynes. This is a limited podcast series where I invite a friend slash artist to respond to this prompt. Name a song that you currently have on repeat or one of your regular playlist go-tos. That song is then a catalyst for a very fun and casual conversation that leads to a lot of places. Joining me on this episode is Jasmine Hayes, an artist who lives and works in Brooklyn and Jasmine's episode is brought to you by Kalichi by Emily King. And in this episode, we talk about Emily King. We talk about um, the legacy of famous parents. We talk about East New York, Brownsville, gentrification. I mean, we talk about so many things. <laughs> uh, I'm going to play a little clip of the song. Please join me in welcoming our guest for today, Jasmine Hayes. Hi, Jasmine. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Um, you're in Baltimore right now. Yes, I'm in Baltimore um, at a residency, uh, Mare Residency. Um, it's a nomadic residency that works with Black artists across the diaspora in different lands. So I represent like. New York artists. Uh, there's an artist from Baltimore, and then another artist from Brazil. She's remote um, because of the pandemic, so she couldn't fly out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's a really amazing, intimate residency. It's my first residency, and um, oh, I'm excited that like this is my first residency. <laughs> you're in Be More. I mean, you're in Be More without the party, though. Not that. Not to say there's not a lot more to do there, but. Nah, you're absolutely right, though. <laughs> so, it's definitely, I mean, there's been, I've gone to, like, one event, and there's, like, some things happening this weekend, but it's, like, really cold this week, so outdoor things are going to feel a little bit stranger, mm-hmm. um, but it is definitely, like, you can feel that we're in a pandemic, you know, it's, like, not that many people outside, and then um there's like these really beautiful parts of baltimore and then these like parts where you really see like uh struggle and like 
it's like a night and day, like in one corner, it's like, oh, hey, and then the next is like a lot of abandoned properties and homes and stuff. Mm. So it's an interesting contrast. Um, but I feel the energy here. Uh, it's very strong uh, spiritual energy here and a lot of history here. So I'm thankful to be here. That's great. There is a lot of history there. What a nice place for your first residency. Yeah, not too far, you know. <laughs> yeah, not too far. Don't leave us for too long. Uh, um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm tired of New York. It's high key. <laughs> uh, I don't blame you. Yeah, I don't blame you. Don't make moves just yet. Wait till I'm ready to move. <laughs> okay. Um, so we just heard a clip of the theme song of the day, which is Kalichi by Emily King. And I... have loved when this has happened for this series but I did not um know of Emily King before you listed it um how did you come yeah has she only had the one album no she's had multiple albums so I know of Emily King because one of uh I don't know if you could say a friend but like someone that I grew up around um uh they're her MD and so um I knew of Emily King because like my friends from church like posting her and then specifically her drummer. Um yeah, I've known him since he was like younger. Um a phenomenal like musician, uh and producer. And um Shawan Andrews is his name. And so that's how I know Emily and um I know of her music through um just kind of like Instagram. And mm. so like following a lot of musicians, like my brother is a musician, I'm a musician. So kind of keeping up and trying to see like who are artists that are like vocally, like really talented, like, but also writing their own things. Like mm. everything about her music is like so well composed. Her voice is super clean. Um, yeah, I just love Emily King. <laughs> yeah, I so feel. I started listening to her more though, like lately, because there was a period I wasn't listening as much, and I want to see her live. Mm. Um, but I haven't had the chance to see her live yet. Hopefully, we have um, the return of live shows sooner than later, because I really yes, miss them too. Soon. I miss live shows. I miss like the energy of like. Uh, one of the like members of the band doing something and you're like, oh shit, like, like you're just kind of like, what? This is insane. Or like, yeah, or knowing the lyrics to the songs or singing along with the crowd, just feeling that like vibration and that energy. I miss that so much. I tr- yeah, I try not to do any kind of background research of the song okay. or the artist before I speak to my guest, but this time folks i cheated a little bit because i just i really loved it i felt like i was just being introduced to something that i was ready to add to my own playlist um and wanted to know a little bit more so i didn't dig too deep but i mean the most i did to be honest was i was i listened to the song about a dozen times at least since since we spoke about this podcast and I really liked listening to it while reading the lyrics that's something I usually don't like to do but the lyrics are so beautiful it's like very storytelling and that's what I like about it so it feels like a build-up like even in the way the tone of her voices um yeah like the the verses are more like subtle and like kind of have this dark like vibe and um like a suspense to it mm. and then the chorus comes out and she's like i sure want to hear that like she's just like i feel like she's just like screaming it out and it's like oh, I need to i sound crazy that's this <laughs> but, is amazing no you don't sound crazy <laughs> but that's what like excites me about that song like i listen to it when i'm in the shower i'm definitely like um a concert shower girl um like, same I, I do all my singing. I even do like any music that I may actually make. Acoustics and bathrooms are always great. So yeah. 
proper mics and stuff and I'm just doing a voice memo, I do it in the bathroom because it adds the effect that I want. You do not. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Wow. <laughs> Um, other times I also just go to my brother, like, with the idea, and he engineers everything for me, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been doing stuff on my own, where I just try and find, like, areas with good acoustics, um, like, I like the little natural reverb. You know, so, yeah. I also like a little natural reverb, I mean, I used to really love, um, mixtapes, and independent albums that were unmixed I mean I I started I really appreciated hearing before it was passed through some kind of plug-in or equalizer or or interface or something and I mean I don't like it when the highs are too highs and the lows are too lows but I I do like a little roughness to something yeah um so if anyone else likes roughness you're enjoying this podcast because as we were just discussing before we started recording this is some covid sound booth shit around me right now i mean my walls are coated with blankets but it's not helping that much but anyways i digress um did you know that emily king's parents were jazz singers yes so Recently, I was looking up more, and I was like, oh, so she just comes from, like, an amazing background. <laughs> so, I think she grew up in, like, Lower East Side or something like that. Mm. I'm um, not sure. So, I also found that, uh, I can't remember. I might be fucking up. That might not be a fact check. Don't. <laughs> That's okay. We don't fact check on this show. <laughs> but it got me thinking about um, the... Some one, I mean, only one really popped into mind the famous singer or singer, singers, parent, parents, mm-hmm. singer, parent, or parents and child. And I always love the fact that, you know, Maya Rudolph, yeah, from SNL, her mother's Minnie Ripperton. I know, I'm always just like, it's, I think that's, it's, she actually looks like her though, she does, she yeah. does. And she has a great singing voice, Maya, mm-hmm. um, although she's pursued acting. But, you know, she always has these singing roles in her in the SNL sketch comedy. This Sunday, CBS will air the 45th annual Grammy Awards held right here in New York City. Here with her thoughts is former Grammy winner Christina Aguilera. <laughs> Hey, Tina and Jimmy, what's up? How you feel? Um, we feel great. Uh, now, what about you? Your album didn't come out in time to be nominated, so how does that make you feel? Oh, uh, you know, it's just... <laughs> I don't know, I feel like, no! And, I mean, she's just, her voice is amazing, but Minnie Ripperton, I had a huge um, music crush on when I was younger, and... She, she was part of this group called Minnie Ripperton and, the, like, the Rotary Connection. Mm. Um, anyways, you know what? This is a tangent. I have to stop it. sisters like like their mom was uh, a singer and although it's like more of a church background and like dealing with gospel music the Clark sisters like started a sound that is used in R&B it's used in like all across um different genres and um their mom was uh she played uh I believe the organ and the piano mm. um and so she was, like, really stripping them. She was a choir director. 
And so they were leading in the choir, and then they formed the Clark Sisters. Um, and so they would write music together and everything, but their sound, like, she was so hard on them, they had to sound like one voice. So even in their harmonies, it sounded like one voice. Mm. Um, like, their tone, everything was similar and the same. Um, and when they broke out into, like, solo parts, you could tell the different tones between them. But when they were singing together, they were literally one voice. And so that shaped, like, a generation of singers um, and musicians. And a lot of, like, I mean, a lot of, like, musicians who are, uh, like, these big-time artists, a lot of them come from church. Um, and, like, so they come from playing gospel and then branch out into, like, R&B, branch out into jazz. Um, and so, yeah, I like that conversation of, like, your parents teaching you from a young age because I feel like that's how I watch most of my friends uh, that's how I watch them develop mm. um, like all of us being around music at a young age like being in church um, I no longer go to church but like that is one of the things that like that's my foundation you know like musically that's my foundation um, and then also like my grandparents like playing records um my grandparents were like dancer like Al Green. Um, my grandmother loved Marvin Gaye, and my grandfather loved Tina Turner. He would have left his whole family for Tina if she ever gave him a chance. <laughs> 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 like I'm convinced he would have left. <laughs> Maybe not. I wouldn't say that. Let me give my grandfather more credit because he he's an impeccable man, <laughs> and he he like raised me and my sister, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, he definitely loved Tina. Like. Like, that was his second woman in his head. <laughs> so I watched a ton of Tina Turner concerts. Um, just anything Tina Turner, I knew what it was. Um, How did your grandmother because, feel about that? I think she loved Tina, too. She didn't care. She was like, they, they called him Buck. I felt like she was just like, oh, Buck, whatever. Like, she didn't care. Or uh, if they did argue about it, I didn't see it, you know. <laughs> and your pride Did you so, sing? Did you sing in the choir at church? Uh, growing up, yes. So I sung in the choir. I was like, uh, I'm an alto. Um, I don't really like to sing much. Like I get very shy um, because I'm like a perfectionist. So if my voice is not doing certain things, I get like frustrated, <laughs> and that doesn't make it any better. But yeah, I, I sung in the choir. Um, I also sung in like a gospel group for some time, like a recording gospel group. Um, and I started playing drums when I was like 16. Um, and I would play like on and off. Um, I feel like it's always been hard for me to, it's not hard to, at this point, it's not hard to balance a music and a music career and like, uh, art career, like, um, because I'm, now I'm using, like, all the things that I know about music and sound and the things that I'm learning. It's allowing me to explore more in sound through uh, performance work in my artistry um, and in my art practice. So I've been experimenting with, like, more sound, um, thinking of, like, mantras and, like, uh, I do a lot of spoken word as well. So spoken word feels very um, percussive for me. Mm -hmm. So thinking about, like, um, well, spoken word can be percussive. Um, a lot of times it is. It's, like, performed over jazz or certain, like, cadences or music. And so thinking about, like, rhythm rhythmic phrases and spoken word and how that, like, can go over percussive cadences and um, melodic sounds, like, yeah. So it's... I feel like my background in, like, me growing up in church and being around music in that way, like, uh, definitely shaped um, how I think now mm -hmm. when it comes to music and my personal practice. Would you, do you um, ever listen? You know, I don't have that much connection or 
knowledge of gospel music mm-hmm. except for uh, my knowledge of just as you mentioned perhaps artists that I like and I who I knew came from the church you know I, I, I oh. sort of my, my knowledge of gospel music is basically that I recognize it's the proto for a lot of artists and musicians um but I was when you were talking about gospel music and I was trying to think about any gospel music that I knew and I was remembering that time with the popular gospel do you remember there was like this pop gospel moment I don't Kirk do Franklin mean, like, like Kirk Franklin or yeah something? book of revelation uh-huh. chapter 7 verses 16 and 17 yes sir they shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more. Preach, preach up. For God shall wipe away yes, sir. every tear from their eyes. Yes, sir. Get ready for the revolution. What you say? Do you want a revolution? Do you want a revolution? So, so, so that's the thing. Gospel music is just soul music. And so a lot of the older stuff that we listen to, when we are listening to Aretha Franklin, when we're listening to Al Green, like all these different people, like a lot of them came from church. Mm-hmm. But then you switch over to like Alice Coltrane and Alice was really like, you know, Alice was a Buddhist. Um, so thinking about like different uh, music scales, like, so in certain countries, they have more uh, scales, like they they have more um, notes in their uh, in their scale, versus like Western culture, we don't have as many notes sometimes. So like thinking about how that can shift someone's energy in music, and for me, that's what gospel music is. Like playing in church, you have to know the energy of the room. Mm-hmm. or playing anywhere you know you have to like be able to shift the energy not just know the energy but also shift the energy in the room so like if i'm thinking about um like someone in church and say i grew up in a black church so there's always music there's uh, most times good music not all the time there's <laughs> a church you go to <laughs> So, I have experienced a lot of like tone deafness and stuff like that. But um, if you like, I I used to go to like concerts when I was younger. Um, that was kind of like my leisure time. I would go to concerts, uh, like different gospel concerts, or um, I would go to sheds with like my brother or yeah. Um, and so, like when you're playing in church, you have to watch the energy of the room. So if someone's like crying or um with their hands exalted to the air like that's more like a worship so it's it's slower music or certain chords are being played you know more symbols like crescendo things like that are happening mm-hmm. versus like if it's shouting or the preacher is like building up um you're like it's a different type of energy it's like an immediate like a uh, response like you're watching people like their feet um if someone starts shouting it's kind of like oh okay what's the energy of the room because sometimes someone could start shouting with the energy of the room especially if you're in like a big church the energy may not be for everyone to shout Mm -hmm. so it's like you're kind of watching to see like if there's going to be a wave of energy and so if you see that wave of energy through the people then that helps you to push the music um to that that space basically you know i was Um, when you're describing the this all of these very um, specific details to experiencing the church and the choir. I was envisioning uh, a concert. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Especially playing in New York. I'm not going to hold you. New York is like one of the toughest crowds to ever play. Like, New York is shady as fuck. (laughs) Like, I don't know how else to say it, but, like, I'm from East New York, Brooklyn, like, if, it, if we don't fuck with your music, if you're not giving a certain energy, like, New York can rip you apart. <laughs> so, uh, but there's also a lot of love in New York. Like, when you go in certain rooms, um, you feel a lot of love. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was thinking, um, 
when I see so New York you're saying that New York is hard to like a hard crowd yes um I come from I grew up in Toronto and Toronto also has a reputation of being a super tough crowd but there was a series of parties called Elemental I think it was for Elemental and it was they were really great parties and you know if you knew then you knew you were there you know it was always a it was it wasn't a small crowd but it was usually a small venue so it was really packed and dark and hot anyways one elemental pete rock came to he was the headlining dj do you know who pete rock is yeah just checking you know i don't want to make any assumptions <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, classic hip hop show, there's the opening DJ first. Uh, so the opening DJ goes on way too late already, which means Pete Rock didn't get on until like one in the morning, but the opening DJ was this super awesome, talented DJ and a friend of mine, his name was DJ P plus and P went on and did a set that was so fucking good. I mean, I just remember everybody. It was it was such a memorable night and ev- and made even more memorable. Talk about a shitty tough crowd. Pete Rock comes on after P plus and after I'd say I don't know, 8 minutes, 7 7 8 minutes, the crowd starts booing. They start booing Pete <laughs> fucking rock they start booing him and i remember this i remember very clearly that i don't even know pete rock personally of course but i was a fan but i felt embarrassed for him mm-hmm. so they were he didn't get off stage right away he didn't get off stage right away he kept playing but and the crowd was going in and out of booing and then at one point he stops he but he doesn't just stop short but you can tell he cuts his set short like he shouldn't have played for that small amount of time and he goes and gets P plus and brings him back on sort of like very good sportsmanship, you know, Oh, you were, you know, the crowd loves you. I don't know. I can't, I'm not, I don't know what's up. They're not feeling my set. You should come back on. It's like, let's just have good music, good vibes. It was very, it was, you know, he was a real trooper, but it was so, I was embarrassed for him. I had secondhand embarrassment, rough crowd, <laughs> crowd full of stiff people. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I probably have. I don't know. That's how, I mean, Toronto, like, Canada's right above New York, so maybe it's just the same energy. <laughs> that is energy. a great point. <laughs> it's all, it's all Northeast Coast energy. It's that cold air. <laughs> yeah, it's for like... real. <laughs> um, do you know, this is, now I'm just going back to the word stush. Do you know the word stush because... You, you've used it, or do people use it here? I've heard people use it, but not as much, but it is definitely, I think, like, Caribbean. <laughs> um, yeah. I grew up around Caribbean people, and then also my dad is uh, Trini, so... Oh, that's um, right. We have the Trini connection. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, we did talk about this. Yeah, we did. Trying to figure out how to um, <laughs> get over there. I know. <laughs> Um, my son, I, I mean, I should, do you have a Trini passport? No, so I don't even know if I could, my situation's kind of weird, so I don't even know if I could get one. Um, so I was like, I, okay. I was uh, told that all we need is a birth, birth certificate and proof that our, one of our parents is, was born there. And so I have the proof that my dad was born there, but uh, my dad is not on my birth certificate. So that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's okay. okay. You can. You just have to um, apply for this other. There's like another paper that you need. The problem is everything mm. like that is so bureaucratic. That's a similar reason as to why I haven't gotten mine, and it's just as oh. bureaucratic for me coming from Canada. Um, mm, okay. But it's possible. It's just you got to go through the steps and then. Once you see what the steps are, you're like, oh, do I really need that passport? I don't know. 
is it really worth okay. his time in the offices? I don't know. Um, definitely. I mean, I had to, I've been in that office so many times for different things. So I'm just like, whatever. It's a part of the process. Um, I would love to have a training passport. Yeah, I wonder if like Donna is still doing passports uh, for black people. Cause I'm like, Hey y'all. <laughs> It's looking real rough out here. So, um, you know, we should look into it. We should look yeah. into it. I mean, it's rough everywhere, but still, I think it would just be nice to be away from <laughs> here for a little bit. Have you ever been to Trinidad? No, never. And so I wanted to go next year. I was like, oh, okay, I could save up um, for. Uh, carnival and then I was like mm-hmm, pandemic so that shit isn't happening <laughs> yo how much do you love that girl I love her the I'm so ringing I feel yeah. I it's like I think a lot of black people just feel so not to be to, to sound demeaning or belittling or something or whatever the word I'm looking for is but I'm just so proud of her yeah. You know, I'm just so proud of real talent, figuring some shit out during the pandemic, mastering your craft, figuring out how to reach people, you know, and keeping so it consistent. Young. And she's so young. And, and she's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful and, and smart. And you just quoted her in this podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's fucking, it's great. It makes me feel so warm inside to think that something like that has happened from this terrible time. I just love that when I don't have to explain where I got that from. Like, yeah, right. Uh, I don't get the weird <laughs> eye. Like, I love that. I can go, pandemic. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like, we are in a fucking pandemic. Because that video is just so true. And she's just like, I know. oh, I was going to come over, but <laughs> pandemic. It's I'll like, see. yeah, like, the fuck? <laughs> I'll see if I can I can play a clip for this podcast. I'll try and figure out how I can in- play a clip of her Instagram for this. It's a pandemic. I would have let you come to my house, but like, oh, pandemic. <laughs> really, really wanted to see you, but like, <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> I I had I had her video um posted up with. I mean, I love that video where she was like, "If you text me at two, I'll text you back at four a.m." <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes. we're in the we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic and people are trying to I was trying to do business from home for seven months. It was a joke. I mean yeah. everybody everybody can empathize. I'm not claiming to have some kind of special experience at all, but working from home with you know I think something is there's something particular about it in New York City. You know, New mm-hmm. York and Brooklyn. Or or maybe just major cities around the world and not the suburbs because so many of us it's yeah it's it's already not easy plus you're telling us we have to stay inside our small ass apartments and with all these people people around and you're telling us that we don't have any money and we can't get any more money like it's just it feels so hard um none of us have cars so Mm -hmm. we can't just escape and go somewhere we don't want to take the subway so you're you're limited to where you can walk and you're and they give you that those are your parameters for living for seven months. I mean it's cr- I've had to take the subway and when I saw for like some months I wasn't taking uh the train. And then I had to take the train, but I wasn't going super far. I was only like in Brooklyn. Um, but uh like where I live right now, there's a whole situation, but where I live, uh essentially I'm off the blue line, so the A and the C train. Mm. The energy on that train is fucking wild. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I'm on the same. Tra- really I'm on the same train. Want to be on this train? Yeah. Pandemic. It's like, <laughs> like I would get on. There was one day I thought this lady was like, I didn't know if she wanted to fight me or stab me, but I was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, do I move? I don't want this lady to follow me. And I was like, shit, what if she like? attacked me i really got a fight and i was like i don't feel like fighting we in a pandemic like i was this whole scenario and i was only coming from like broadway junction to like a few stops from broadway junction and it was just stressful 
Broadway Junction naturally just has a wild ass energy. So <laughs> Broadway Junction is. I remember. It's so funny you mentioned fighting on the train from Broadway Junction because I was super pregnant. <laughs> super pregnant. I felt like I'd been pregnant for fifteen months, and I get on the train at Broadway Junction, and. I've been trying, so at this point, I've been really conscious and have done a really good job and have implemented it as a really regular practice in my day-to-day of calming down. You know, I want my energy to be calm. I want to feel peaceful. My breathing is different. I'm even doing it right now. You know, I close my eyes. I take in my surroundings. Like, I just want my, I just want my body to feel calm and so that my baby feels calm. And you get to Broadway Junction and it's like zero to a hundred. There's just, a, there's a weird energy. And I get on the train and I sit, so I'm, I'm getting, I'm moving on. It's like really crowded. People are not moving out of the way. And at this point, living in New York and being pregnant and still being very active and having to work, taking the train is daunting because so many people do not give up their seat. And I didn't, I didn't really appreciate the necessity for that until of course I was very pregnant it's so uncomfortable to be standing and trying to keep your balance on something that's in in flux um and you'd get on the train and people would just look at me and look back down at their phones so I knew it was going to be a long ride from this particular stop and I rush onto the train and I kind of and I squeeze past these two girls definitely like they were not they were not moving fast enough like I'm a New Yorker now I've been here long enough. If you don't if you don't move away from the doors, that's it. I'm plowing through you, right? I guess they were heading towards the same seat, but they were too slow, and I took it. Admittedly, okay? I snuck the seat out from under them. But then they started doing this passive aggressive talking about me in front of me. And I wanted to fight. I was and then I was <laughs> texting my partner. And he was giving me, he wasn't even taking me seriously, though. He was texting me back the the eye roll emoji. And he was like, don't fight at Broadway Junction. (laughs) It's so hard not to, though. Like, don't fight at Broadway Junction. (laughs) Even though the police station is there, it does not matter. It's Broadway Junction. (laughs) Seriously. Christian, Don Christian Jones. No. I post him often, like, in my stories, um, and he has a space running right now called Public Assistance, and so they have a radio, like, they do a podcast, but <laughs> we, uh, he finds, um, there's, do you remember Black, uh, Black China and the episode where her friend is, like, saying she embezzled money? She was like, embezzled? Embezzled? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You Fuck asked up. me to fill out That's the number you lied to help you embezzle money. Embezzle? Yeah. Embezzle? Because you wanted me to please embezzle? Embezzle? Yeah. Embezzle? Embezzle? I was hoping embezzle. I was talking about embezzle money. Embezzle, bitch. Embezzle? Embezzle? For well, what money did you embezzle? Embezzle? I done heard it all. I'm like, what? Embezzle? <laughs> so we literally would spend days, like when all the protests were happening, like in our free time, we would just spend days, uh, like finding different clips, um, <laughs> different things, and he'll plug them in in the radio, in the podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you should definitely <laughs> just plug it in. I think that's what happens at Broadway Junction. <laughs> Have you lived around there for a long time? My entire life. Um, I live further. I'm on. I'm in East New York, mm-hmm. um, so I live a little bit further. But yes, so I know Brownsville energy very well. East New York energy very well. I'm like a. I'm just a true Brooklyn baby, mm-hmm. but more like, I guess. The, that's that's not considered East Brooklyn, but all of East Brooklyn, which is East New York, Brownsville. I hate that they're called, like, Brownsville Ocean Hill. And I'm like, bitch, it's, it's Brownsville. Like, <laughs> don't try and make this fancy and gentrify it. I'm like, you can still catch these hands, like, around the corner. Fuck up. I'm very much a Brooklyn baby. I'm just like, please stop with all these fancy names. It's like, oh, you live in Stuyvesant Heights. I'm like, you live in Bedside. Yo, like, Stuyvesant Heights. 
Yeah, people say that often. They're like stylists and heights. Um, so you can always tell how long someone has lived there or what they think of the neighborhood. Um, but I'm just like, the bad side, no, it's bad side, do it, that. Like, <laughs> so I'm just like, sure, you live in Stuyvesant Heights or Bedford Stuyvesant. It's like, whatever, you live in bed style. Um, yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just, I lived in bed for four years when I first moved here. And then I bounced around between bed Bushwick, Clinton Hill. Um, and now I'm back in bed And when we were looking for places... My partner said, oh, I found this apartment in Stuyvesant Heights. And I rolled my eyes and I was like, don't fucking say <laughs> Stuyvesant Heights, okay? It was like, did the realtor tell you Stuyvesant Heights? I mean, of course I, I was, style. it's bed style. And also, you know, my boo is white. So I was like, <laughs> you cannot say Stuyvesant Heights around me or any of my friends. Don't do this to me. I love you. Please don't make me leave you at home. <laughs> but <laughs> but he was right listen we were just walking around the neighborhood and we saw a church that actually said Stuyvesant Heights on it and it didn't look brand new I mean it's not like a gen- whatever gentrified church looks like or something I mean somebody must I mean, call it Stuyvesant Heights I feel like the Stuyvesant Heights comes from like um, it's weird like when neighborhoods are gentrified or get a certain price value mm. they either put heights or hill behind it so like that's why like Brownsville they say like Ocean Hill mm. and Ocean Hill technically is that weird part where East New York and Brownsville cross mm-hmm. um, but they'll call all of Brownsville Ocean Hill like if you're looking for apartments now um, because of Brownsville's like reputation basically so it changes the idea of like this rough urban, I hate that word urban, but that's what the system describes it as. Like, oh, this urban area. Mm. Um, and so often when people hear urban area, they think like violent uh, black and brown people. <laughs> like, um, yeah, they think certain things. Um, and so, uh, like, there's Ocean Hill, Clinton Hill. Um, Stuyvesant Heights, Prospect Heights, Prospect Heights, yeah. You know, they get all these names. Like, I don't know what Crown Heights was called before it was Crown Heights, but it's like there's just these certain perceptions that once it adds that part of the name to it, it has a certain value of um, people they accept in the neighborhood. Um, More so money they accept Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But I would say people too, because I feel like people of color, uh, black people, would have the money but oftentimes like if you're dealing with like racism <laughs> dealing with like uh, a racist landlord or realtor where they don't want to sell you the property they'd rather sell it to like a white family instead mm-hmm. you know so dealing with things like that so it's very interesting that like how they frame these names but I hate when people come to Bad Style and say Cyrus and Heights that was the point in my rant I just I'm like don't say Cyrus and Heights <laughs> so don't call this Ocean Hill Mm. Um, you know, it's it, just like earlier I said be more and I was like Ugh. I was like did I should I not say be more I was like oh my god <laughs> but you know what okay I said I think to be to your credit I I'm pretty sure I'm the one who said be more but my reference is totally music right uh, okay. I mean mine is like be more style it's like the be more sound I I don't know yeah, anything yeah. I don't know anything about Baltimore the Baltimore landscape on the ground. I've actually never been. So mine is like, until now. that's, that's I'm dope. Not. I'd love to be, I mean, I'd love to go because of my association, um, to Baltimore with music. So like the be that's more nice. party from, you know, there was just this lingo associated with particular sound at a particular yeah. time. Hold on, Chris. Y'all ready? I kind of wish like it was a little warmer and then like we weren't in a pandemic so I could experience because like Baltimore has that, Jersey has that, 
like Jersey house. All my friends from Jersey. You ever been to a Jersey party? No. That shit is like, whoa, like this shit is a turn up, and I'm like, oh y'all like giving it up. I like this. Like I'm automatically like, oh I like this. Like y'all don't care. Like you're having fun. So and all my friends from Jersey like have that energy in parties. Um, like like you know Kyrie. Yeah. Right. Kyrie's like that. Like just like. All of my friends from Jersey are like that. And I feel like Baltimore has that same energy, but I haven't been able to experience it um, as much because of the pandemic. I feel like that's the suburban energy. You know, like I grew up, I spent most of my time in a suburb outside of Toronto. And mm. it felt it felt dangerous most of the time, to be honest. It felt mm. like people had all of this energy and they didn't know where to put it. And a party was a place for all of the heathens to come together and shit was debaucherous. Like there's nothing else to do. If there's one big party in this area of the suburbs, it's like everyone's going too hard. (laughs) No, I really, I do really like, um, I like the energy of a lot of people I've met in Baltimore. So, When the pandemic's over, I would love to just come back and experience it in a different light. I think the pandemic has, like, hit certain areas hard, like, uh, like where I'm from, East New York. Like, it was very depressing in the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, somehow, it was still the same, like, guys outside that was just like, (laughs) bro, we in a pandemic, just, like, go inside. But then I also understood, like, you don't want to be in the house with multiple people. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> all right, you just go and chill outside still, you know? I mean, um, I felt like nobody was really quarantining in my neighborhood here in Brooklyn. Yeah, not, not, you know, not strictly. And I don't blame them, though. I mean, I feel like... I mean, the- they had me stressed. I'm not going to hold you. I was just also like, there's so many elderly. And I live in a project. So I'm just like... There's so many elderly. We already have, like, lack of uh, resources. So I'm just, like, we were at the highest risk in Brownsville. Like, nitrogen developments were in uh, highest risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's all the statistics and numbers coming out where they're just like, oh, black people are dying at higher rates. And so, like, I was just like, yeah, like, Get your house in the like. Get your ass in the house. Like that's how I feel a lot of times. I was like, all right, like you don't need to be outside. Mm. Or like I know you're not selling this much. I don't know. Maybe business is booming. <laughs> 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 it was just like, <laughs> sorry, that's like my hood. My hood. So, um, but it was just like okay. Um, it, it, it did feel like some points. I guess it was also hard too because we already have like lack of nature. We don't have a lot of trees around there, so bigger parks. Mm-hmm. So it's like all you have is like the basketball court in front of your building, um, or moments walking to the grocery store and having to stand in line. Like that was your moment of going outside, but that's what felt so daunting um, and like hella depressing. Yeah, it's hella and depressing. Like, I mean, when people put out, you know, there's statistics put out about the increase of spousal and child abuse in homes during the pandemic yeah and you think to yourself what the fuck did your privileged ass think was gonna you know that's not your reality so you didn't have to think about the consequences of keeping kids home from something that was their escape or keeping adults together in confined spaces when they were looking forward to not being near each other for sanity and safety reasons and now people mm-hmm. are just in danger in their own per- they're supposed to- they have no safe space and you're telling them they can't leave it and you're mm-hmm. not giving them any resources to reach out for help or to talk to somebody yeah it makes me upset and sad to think about things that we don't even know that's going on but nobody feels like they can talk to anyone or change it yeah I feel like I, I wish there was still more resources going around like I felt like there were so many posts of resources and different things, and it kind of, like, died down. Mm-hmm. I still see it, like, in some ways, but it feels like it's back, like, social media is back to more of, like, a critique of things and not, like, resolution of things. Yeah, it's what um, I, it's the um, autumn season. It's pumpkin spice time. 
I put I saw this I saw this great meme I posted a few weeks ago. I was like, my favorite season is people taking down their Black Lives Matter posters and putting up wreaths of leaves and jack o' lanterns. It's like the season's over. I'm seeing, I feel like out here, I've seen a lot of, like, Black Lives Matter signs, and I was kind of like, it was more like a show, like, so mm-hmm. that nobody would bother you type of thing, like, so it's like fake support type of thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's happening, like, like, areas in that style, it's like, the irony of, like, uh, white businesses um, putting out, like, Black Lives Matter signs, but don't see themselves as part of that violence. Mm-hmm. Um, pushing people out their neighborhoods. So it's a very interesting complex to me. It's depressing. Yeah. Um, like, let's switch to... Yeah, let's switch to me. I'm going to ask you something that I've been, I think about every time you mention Brownsville. Isn't MOP from Brownsville? Yeah, MOP are yeah, from Brownsville. Brownsville has like a crazy underground culture of like battle rap yeah totally totally i mean that's that's kind of like my my brain is going to references the only the first i mean the first early and the earliest references i have of brownsville are from hip-hop songs and the first one that comes to mind is mop and they actually have a song called brownsville I wonder, do they have like a song or an album named Brownsville? I don't remember, but um, there's a lot of, there's also just a lot of Brownsville mentioned in their lyrics and, you know, Brown, they had that song Cold as Ice. Remember that song? I don't, I don't think I know who they are, which is crazy to me. If you heard Cold as Ice, you would know they are. Look, I'm going to play a clip of it right now. Just like a little pop smoke, or the Canisius, New York babies, the Brooklyn babies. Uh, roll another one. <laughs> Said I'm never like you know, it's put you back in with the automatics. We gon' set them to heaven. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey. He was 20. It's so sad. I mean, I remember just a few months after, right? After he passed away, there was all of these posts and commemorations saying today would have been his 21st birthday. And I remember thinking, fuck, this poor, talented person has passed away before the 21st birthday. I mean, such a visible and recognizable and talented figure. And, and seeing that you die before, I mean, it's so young. And he was just so sweet. Like, I guess his music had, like, you know, the whole aspect, um, the kind of, like, the don't fuck with me, like, type of shit, but he, um, he's definitely, like, a very sweet person. 
so and very caring of his family, his community, in that way. So, well, before before I let you go, R.I.P. Pop Smoke. Let's not gloss over that. Um, <laughs> you're gonna listen to M.O.P. after we get off okay. the phone, and maybe add a Pop Smoke song to that playlist. And do you have? Before you go, who else would you add to a playlist that is an ode to East New York? Oh, shit. It doesn't have to be rap, you know, like whatever you think or what comes to mind, if anything. I'm like, damn, I don't even know. I really feel like I didn't grow up listening to a lot of like East New York rappers or just like East New York artists. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know what? MOP and Pop Smoke are a great start. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm, like, really trying to think, though. I'm, like, who? Um, damn, I'm, like, trying to look up East New York artists <laughs> to see, like, if I know any. And the first thing that pops up is, like, East New York shooting. I'm, like, damn, can y'all give us a break? Like, damn. So people are not always being shot in East New York. People are being shot a lot in East New York, but not all the time. Like, I'm just, like, it's, it's actually more peaceful than thing. Um, you know, there there was a there was a famous from Pink Um I feel like there has to be an artist from like Pink Houses for some reason. You did you say pink ho- pink houses? Apparently wait a second. Apparently OW Dassin is from East New York. That just changed my whole perception because when I was gonna say when you said East New York artists, I was gonna say I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of East New York artists. My cousin one of my older cousins is, they're from Jersey, mm-hmm. so they listen to Wu-Tang a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up on a lot of Wu-Tang. So that's interesting that O.W. Bassett popped up because I'm like, what? I never knew O.D.B. was from East New York. Like, no way, I gotta look this up. So I wonder, so I wonder how East, East New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a pretty good playlist. M.O.P., <laughs> Pop Smoke, O.D.B.? <laughs> yes. Um, I feel like I need to uh, level up that um, <laughs> playlist. <But> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a very specific energy. I mean, that is a very, see, that might not be bedtime energy, to be honest, but. That's definitely turn up energy or like don't fuck with me energy, <laughs> which is, that's kind of how East New York is. <laughs> so. Oh man, uh, thanks I can't. So much, Evan. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait till we're back in the same room together, because um, I'd love to talk to you more about East New York and music. But <laughs> whenever it's over, we'll definitely hang out more. And um, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been great. I mean, you dropped more knowledge than I was prepared for. But that's always so refreshing. I was just like, man, this, we're really going to talk about music right now. I should have prepared more stuff. But anyways, thank it's you. Okay. Just, Go ahead. I just love music, so it's fine. Me I too. Like definitely edit and focus on the music part. <laughs> this will be, this will be um, a fun episode because it's the last one of the series. And we'll, we both, you and I have a, you know... A love for music that is comparable so I'll make it as music heavy as possible because I think that'll be a nice way to wrap the series
Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat. This was really great. Thank you for having me. I really loved our conversation. Me too, always. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. This has been Blue Cheese. This episode has been brought to you by Jasmine Hayes and created by me. Thanks everyone. It's Blue Cheese.